This week on Kettle of Fish, spooky seductress Mama Creepy stops by to talk about the horror of it all. Welcome to our after show. We call Kettle of Fish the No Politics Laughter Show. It's time for Kettle of Fish. No debates, hate, or arguments allowed on Kettle of Fish. It's like a Willy Wonka psychedelic acid trip. So hooray for Kettle of Fish. Welcome to Kettle of Fish, the show where we chat with actors, comedians, artists, scientists, musicians, magicians, models, and even astronauts about life, love, and the creative process. I am your seafaring podcasting captain of the internet airwaves, Nick DeSaucy One Cat Source, broadcasting to you as always from the top of Meth Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce <laughs> my red room dancing, my br- broken necked. My Beyond the Veil producer, the Clarice to my Hannibal Lecter, the Lori to my Mike Myers, the horny decapitated teenager to my Jason Voorhees, the Maven. I, I wonder what this episode is going to be themed. <laughs> fava beans, yes. Although I don't think I would I... like fava beans. I just. You were born nice on the fourth. You were yeah. born on the fourth of July. I was. And I am Halloween. Yes, and Halloween is actually a holiday you like more than the day you were born on. You bet you're behind. I do. I So I always say that my two favorite holidays are Halloween and Christmas, and I try not to differentiate between that. But really, that's a bald-faced fucking lie, because I would Halloween that shit every fucking day. Like, if I could live yeah. in an Adams Family house and dress like Morticia or even Elvira every day of my life, my life would be complete. Even though I do like rainbows and unicorns and sunshine and flowers. You'd have to have a special, like, rainbow panic room for when things got too dark. Yes. Yes, I would. <laughs> that you that could hide by in. far, like, one of the best openings <laughs> I've ever heard. I <laughs> loved that. Who is that haunting? Somebody is haunting us today. Um, that sounds like our first guest. Real quick, before Sorry. we get our first guest in here. Dee, what do we got coming up and where can people find us? Well, you can very easily go to your address bar, because I know you know what that is. Type in www.tincan.media and push the enter button. Poof, you're there. It's like magic. Just some elbow grease and a tin can dude attitude. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yes. Also, you can check us out on castbox.fm as that is where our episodes of Kettle of Fish and Musical Osmosis also like to hide. And uh, if you are one of those crazy rich people who has an iPad or uses iPhones because they're freaking expensive, that's cool too. You can find us on iTunes under Kettle of Fish. Poor people have iPhones. They just don't eat and avoid health care for three months to get one. <laughs> but they that's fucking have them. And I have they an iPad, but it belongs them. to my job. So if I ever leave my job, I have to give it back. So that's a really good reason to stay at my job because I like playing with the iPad. <laughs> well, this is our first episode, just to interject here and get the train to moving along. This is our first episode of a series of Halloween themed episodes we're doing. And who better to kick it off than one of our brand new podcasters? She'll be launching yes. her new podcast, Mama Creepy's Corner, um, coming up Halloween Day. It's actually going to drop. Our pal Heather, a.k.a. Mama Creepy. Thank you for having me. Indeed. Happy Halloween. (laughs) Yes, never too early. We can start putting up fucking Christmas decorations at Walmart. It's not too early to start Halloween. 
That's right. Now, now, now. Oh, God, I hate Christmas. Now, let me give an editorial <laughs> note here because we had to put this together on the fly. We were supposed to have you on here Thursday. But you're so insanely busy. I've got a list of stuff you've got coming up. You're basically (laughs) fucking... Yeah, you're sustaining yourself basically off shitty fast food, cheap cigarettes, and two to three hours of sleep a night, right? Hey, I I vape, and uh, it's an hour and 45 minutes now a night. And um, yes, I did break down today, and I did eat McDonald's. Well, two out of three ain't bad. It makes me think it's... I'm fake news yeah. now, but it's not bad. <laughs> yeah, fake news. Fake news, Nick. Fake news. I I am such fake news, I've actually considered changing my last name Katsoros to Katsoros. <laughs> yeah, it should, Just be part of that. it should be Snowflake Mountain. Yes, it's Nick Katsoros <laughs> on Snowflake Mountain oh my God. broadcasted from his deep space, deep state space space, safe space. Say that fucking five times real fast. Deep state space, deep state safe space, deep state safe space. You can't yeah. even say it once. Come on now. I can say Peter Piper picked a pack of purple peppers. You certainly can. I know, right? And he is a lucky woman. Yes, I am. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mama Creepy knows what we're talking about. All right, let's dive in here. So this is kind of a rush format. I didn't have a chance to really put a solid format together. You are joining the Tin Can family. Tell the Tin Can audience a little bit about you and what you want them to know about your new podcast, because this won't be your average horror podcast. No, and I'm super excited to be joining up with you guys. I am honored and privileged I am, um, I am very excited. Um, I've had people trying to get on me about, uh, starting up another podcast again or getting, uh, uh, up another podcast. Um, and no, this isn't going to be your average podcast. I started, um, back in, what was it about February? Um, I had started raw independent horror, um, which was, which is a page on Facebook. It's for promotion and networking for people in the independent horror genre. Nice. And it's all, it goes across the board, whether you're an author, an actor, a director, a producer, um, a graphic novelist. If you're own a studio. It, it doesn't matter if you're an actor and you want to put up your reel on there. Go for it. If you've got a film, what if you're an actual serial killer? If you're a serial killer and you throw yourself up on there, then hey, at least we'll know where to find the bodies, there or at least the police will know where if, to find. Yeah, them. not if you're a serial or, killer worth your salt. Or for oh. the writers, it might be some really good material. So. And yeah. who knows what a serial killer looks like? Yeah, how come, come nobody's ever tapped Jeffrey Dahmer to be a consultant on their projects? Right? right? Oh, yeah, that's right. They're so he got obvious. in the ass with a broom and died. Oh, did he uh, die from yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's horror, horror gold right there. Yeah, somebody should right? tap that fucking resource. What's going on here? <laughs> I don't know. I drive. I drive Uber in my extra or the little bit of spare time I have, and let me tell you, that is like writing gold. Writing gold, especially since I live near a university. So Only because got... you're fantasizing about strangling frat boys. Uh, well, <laughs> actually, I had one that was a complete 
stand-up one last night after I had a girl vomit all over the back of my car. And he took care of her, took care of it, made sure it was paid for, cleaned, everything. I I was quite impressed. I told him if she tries pressing rape charges on you, I will stand up for you and say, no, he did not finger her. So, you know. (laughs) There you go. I, Quite a I, thing I was, to bring to the courtroom. Yep. I know. <laughs> That's a hell of an attribute no, you have there. There was know, no right? finger banging in my Uber. No Can you say that, Lyft, huh? <laughs> right. Take that, Lyft. No finger banging. Well, I don't know if that's a positive or negative, though, especially in a college I don't know. town. Yeah. Well, there's none of those shenanigans, none in my car. So I don't want to take care of No taxi cab confessions. Things. Yeah, no casting couch sessions in the backseat of my car. I'm well, Mama Creepy's got to lay down um, the law, doesn't she? Yep, yep, <laughs> sounds like it. All right, let's dig more into you. <laughs> Tell us, everyone, a little bit about your background, because I just kind of brought you in here out of um, yeah. stage left. Tell everybody what yeah. you've been doing for the last 10 years, where you're from, and why you deserve oh, a podcast. Why I deserve a podcast. I don't deserve a podcast. I honestly don't know how the hell I ended up here. Um, I got into horror. I, I was raised on horror. I was raised on trauma movies. I was raised on Evil Dead, Michael Myers. I was raised on Jason. That was what that was the bread and butter of my childhood. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, there were some Thundercats and things like that thrown in the mix. But, you know, in general, that was uh, the bread and butter of what um, I was. What was the household like? Were your parents strict? Do you have brothers and sisters? Are you oh, the oddball uh, of the family? I, I'm, my parents are hippies. Good, good old hippies. And um, I am the oldest of, well, altogether, step half and you name it, I'm the oldest of 11. Wow. Holy so shit. I couldn't even name 11 people. <laughs> yeah, there's actually a 15 year difference between me and my youngest brother, Forrest, who, uh, yeah, shout out to my little brother, Forrest, who actually had wanted to go into making and has made like little small, um, when he was younger, he had made uh, little horror movies and things like that. I was so proud of him. So proud of him. I'm like, yes, go out, do it. Oh, so it wasn't a turbulent childhood then. You don't come from a very dark place domestically. N- no, no. Um, it's not like I come from a place where, you know, I was chained up in the dark and, you know, beaten. Well, then I probably would have been a dominatrix. Who knows? You know, it would have inspired, given me inspiration for that. Or, you know, who knows? But, um, you know... I guess a lot of people who come up with some demented stuff come from all kinds of places. As far as horror goes, I mean, uh, I get the question all the time, you know, why, why horror movies? Why do you like watching horror movies? Why do you want to write horror movies? Um, and I, it's an easy answer. I'd much rather watch a horror movie. I know that in two hours it's going to end. Um, I can turn on the news or look outside and know that it's not ending. So, well, and it's which, funny because we had Wesley Yore from Land of the Lost, the original Land of the Lost, who played mm-hmm. Will Marshall on two weeks ago. 
And we were talking about why he doesn't, he never really followed through doing horror movies because he did Toolbox Murders and a couple other indie horror movies. Mm-hmm. And he, he's like the exact opposite. He said, there's so much horror on the news. I can't add more horror to my life. I avoid the uh, news and it makes me want to avoid horror films where when I was younger, I was into them. But things have gotten so bad, he, he just wants to surround himself with rainbows and puppies. Yeah. I, uh, I I get that. I mean, it's not that I don't like my comedy. In fact, like some of my favorite horror and like the type of horror that I write is um, more kind of comedic, um, tongue-in-cheek kind of horror. You know, um, that's the kind of thing that I like, kind of social commentary, very much like um, I'm not comparing myself at all here to George Romero, but George Romero used to use social commentary in his horror movies. And that was a consistent thing in all of them. And it was something that I always respected. Um, that's another thing like with trauma, Lloyd Kaufman, there's always some kind of social commentary. There's always some comedy, some, and, Practical effects are a huge thing for me. That's another thing that um, got me into horror movies. Um, well, let me interrupt real quick and ask you this. Can it go too mm-hmm. far? Because my buddy Pat was really into horror. And he would show us some awful shit like Hollywood bloodbath or Vegas bloodbath. Like a woman just cutting her lips off like with scissors. And then he started to get into this shit from fucking Norway. And it was disturbing. Too way too, too disturbing for me to watch. And it like two minutes of it's like this doesn't even make sense. This is just like a girl getting raped with a battle axe. Why everybody like fucking just does horrible shit to like sticks pins in her eyes. Can it go too far? Should there be some kind of structure, some kind of commentary, some kind of point, some kind of tongue in cheek vaudevillian point, or just as sick as you can bring it in your mind? I think that there shouldn't be any kind of censorship. I mean, I don't believe in censorship at all in any way. No, no, I'm the same way. I'm not saying censorship, but I'm just saying um, the genre in your mind, in your opinion, of course, I wouldn't want to censor anything that wasn't a snuff film. The genre... Well, yeah, as long as it's not real... Can it go too far, do you think? I don't. Um, I think if you feel that this is your art and this is your creation and this is what you believe in and you're passionate about and you want to create, then you should create it. Um, It doesn't mean that everybody needs to see it or wants to watch it uh, because it's not for everybody. You know, a Serbian film is not for everybody. You know, there are plenty of movies out there that are not for everybody. I'm pretty sure there are a lot of people out there that did not go out and see a human centipede or the human right. centipede. Yeah, that's or not the human something centipede I can take. Two or the human centipede three. Wait, you there's know, a three? Um, Holy shit. Oh, yeah, there's three of them. Oh, yeah, it's got to yeah. be a trilogy. But the oh, thing yeah. that really I think is misrepresented is I know, like, let's take example Peter Jackson from mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings, Hobbits. Oh, he yeah. is from the horror movie. He did a movie called Basket Case. And I used to dig that movie. And he also did Frighteners, which is one of my favorite movies, although it's a lot more tamer than the stuff he did before that. But he comes from the B-like horror movie world. And he's moved up to like King Kong and Lord of the Rings and all these big blockbusters. And I think there's a sense of 
delegitimization in the horror genre, especially the not as well known horror genre, that I think is kind of a stigma, right? An unfair stigma. But did you ever see one of his first ones that he did? Yeah, Dead Basket Alive. Case. Oh, Dead Alive. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, not he didn't do Basket Case. He did no, Dead no, Alive. Dead I mean, Alive. That's the one I'm thinking there of. There is so much blood. I mean, and at some point. That's why you're you the horror either, person and I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> at some point, you can either just sit back and laugh at it, you know, or you can take it really seriously. And I think that is up to the person. And but if my dad saw that case, movie 20 years case. ago, he'd be like, this dude mm-hmm. needs to be fucking locked up. My dad's very Greek conservative. And he mm-hmm. and if I tried to tell him, well, he's a guy that does the Lord of the Ring movies. I don't think he'd be able to make that connection. It's bullshit, fake news. Like he would be able to make that connection <laughs> in his fucking head. Yeah, but you know, he would think that guy is a degenerate that needs to be locked up in a fucking mental institution. If he, I guess it's probably been thirty years since he was making his kind of movies thirty years ago, not knowing that he could evolve into this genre over here. And I think that's the unfair stigma that a lot of the horror genre, especially something like trauma. I mean, I'm you know, my dad wouldn't go within a hundred miles of a fucking trauma film. <laughs> well, look at uh, like Guillermo del Toro. Oh, I love him. People always argue. He will say this is a horror movie. People will say no, it's not. It's not a horror movie. And time and time again, he will argue that no, I have made a horror movie. Um, why am I blanking on it? Uh, he made the one with uh, the little girl, and it's in Germany. And um, oh, I don't know why. I cannot remember the name of it. It has like the pan and um, oh, the labyrinth. Pan's labyrinth. Pan's labyrinth. Yes. I still haven't seen Pan's that labyrinth. movie. Thank I, I you. I gotta see that. Yes. And people will argue and argue and okay, I'm gonna spoil the shit. Sorry, D. Um, You're good. People it's will been argue long and argue and argue. Um, yeah, it's been long enough. Um, people <laughs> will argue and argue, saying that that is not a horror movie. But a child gets shot and yeah. killed in that movie. Now, how is that not horrific? Right. What does that not? I mean, that is horror, pure and simple. That is horror. You know, whether it is somebody getting its brains eaten by a zombie or somebody getting taken down by a lawnmower or a Zamboni or, you know, the million different things that um, happen in horror movies or ghosts or a thriller, you know. I mean, I just saw Mandy and holy shit, that blew my mind. Oh, like, was Mandy, especially since the that. first half of that movie sucked. We saw it. It was with Nicolas Cage, D. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did we the one where he it? went fucking psychotic? Yeah. Oh, we psychotic. It just, I couldn't, I mean, I, I appreciated it for what it was and it was, you know, cinematically, it was really nice and it just, it had... I don't know if nice is the word to say. It it had a lot of really great imagery and definitely mm-hmm. the horror factor was there. It just I think it was a little too dense as far as or not even dense, eclectic maybe for me to Come really on, be able to Really, I loved it. Sentence. 
Yeah, Especially I know, right? since I hated it the first like half hour, I was like, "God, this movie sucks! See, it's so slow and boring." To me, the but once story he went off, I started liking too, it. It was too out there for me to really be able to identify with it. But at the same time, I had my time period where, like, that girl would have been me, and mm-hmm. I, I'm like so far beyond that. I'm just like, no. So like, I know where she was and where he was, and I'm just like, ugh. So I guess I just can't connect with those characters anymore. But I but definitely see how it was a horror movie. I mean, it was Let's great. talk about something that people don't really talk about anymore. Because here's a good example. You talk about a kid getting shot. And there's a movie called mm-hmm. God Bless America that was produced by Bobcat Goldslade. And oh they shoot God. a baby in that fucking that movie. movie. And that movie's love great, right? that movie. But you Bobcat cross... Goldslade is a freaking genius. I love him. Yes. Yeah, I'd love to pick yeah. that dude's brain for 45 oh minutes. Oh, God. But yeah. you cross all these lines, right? I remember when I was little and I was watching a Poseidon adventure, and there was a kid in that movie, like a 15-year-old. And I was like, man, I, I wonder if that kid's going to die. And my dad was like, they don't kill kids in movies. That's inappropriate. <laughs> and as not anymore. Every, not anymore, right. And as and a, and a political point I always make, when I remember watching Different Strokes and Nancy Reagan was on there pushing her bullshit, like say no mm-hmm. to drugs campaign. And at the end of the episode, she called her husband, who was the president at the time, Ronald Reagan, to say goodnight. And usually when you make a phone call on old sitcoms, they do the split screen and it showed the other person talking to you. But they didn't show that. She just said, well, if you could, if I could say it in front of the Drummonds, you could say it in front of Gorbachev. I love you, whatever. Like a cheap joke. But I was like, why don't they show Ronald Reagan on the other line like they usually do? And my dad was like, no fucking president would demean the office of the presidency by going on a sitcom while he's a serving president. And and now Trump is the embodiment of reality television. Yeah. So we he's keep also crossing the embodiment these. of horror. Right. But so. are we responsible for this? Because we keep crossing these social lines. And I also said when I was little. I say little, but I'm talking my 20s. I also said in my 20s, I said, listen, I'm a guy who sees the patterns and things. You can ask D, how many things have I said, this is what's going to happen in two years, and it happened. Just because I could see the patterns, D. Yeah. Did we lose D? No, yeah, pretty much. It just... Yeah. She gets frustrated because I'm like, I well, do. here's this kickback's going to be. Well, and, and there's long... no, this is what I mean. There's no end to this movie. Like, Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I can even handle. I, I don't know. I love horror, so there's a lot that I can handle. Although I'm not really good on what I would c- consider gore porn, because it's just mm-hmm. not my mo. Yeah. But I totally, you know, get how people could totally handle. Well, it, let me I'm make let me make this point yeah. where I'm going with this. So I had said back in the '90s, and there wasn't a word for politically correct. And I said, "Look, we're like we've got long hair. We're piercing our fucking faces up and tattooing ourselves <laughs> and going crazy." I said, "My kids aren't going to be like super proper. That's how they're going to rebel because we didn't have a politically yep. co- a word for politically correct." I said, "There's nowhere else to go unless they're going to be fucking cannibals. There's no place like what are they going to do? Pierce their liver? There's no mm-hmm. place for like us to go." It's going to swing in the other direction, and our kids are going to be, like, super proper to rebel. And that's kind of where that generation is gone. That's exactly what happened. Exactly. So have we pushed the envelope too much? And the combination of reality TV and girls, like, ripping their tampons out and slapping each other with them and, like, presidents going, Uh, like, Obama. Yeah, L7, thank you. (laughs) Um, Presidents, like, going on between two ferns and... 
just all this type of stuff, like that Obama did that, and I didn't agree with it. Did we cross the line to just open the floodgates for Trump to come in and go, hey, we're like basically America's a white trash trailer park now. There are no rules. There are no kind. There's no kind of rules of conduct. There, there. It's just a free for all of just low brow, like crass speech. And I'm all for free speech. I always say, dude, Alex Jones, keep him on Twitter, keep him on Facebook. I'd much rather somebody snipe that motherfucker and take him out. Because if anybody oh, yeah. deserves to be shot in the head, it's fucking Alex Jones. But it's weird. I don't want his speech taken away. I'd love for someone no. to shoot him, but I don't want his yeah. speech taken away. So how do no, how do we somebody would have the right to take away yours? Right. So how do we kind of fucking put that genie back in the bottle? Are the millennials? I mean, I went. We went up to the college with my daughter, and I was talking to this kid, and he had his shit together. He's like twenty two, and he's like running his booth, and he's slick as shit. He's like da 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 da. He's like a machine. Got his tablet. Bam bam bam. And I said, listen, man, when I was young, the only thing my parents expected from me is don't get anybody pregnant, like before you're married. And don't wreck the fucking T-Bird. And we're cool. And now I'm mm-hmm. looking at my kids and I'm like, save the fucking planet. Save yeah. the planet, dude. Like, my dad just didn't want me to end up in jail. Like, Chris, the Chris Rock joke. If you've got a daughter, your job is just to keep her off the pole. You know? And yeah. that's like, you were a good parent. My dad, yeah. as long as I didn't get someone pregnant or end up on drugs, that's all he expected. Our kids were like, dude, you have to save us from fascism, from climate change, from all these mm-hmm. things. I feel like I can't say free speech has gone too far because I don't really believe in too far with free speech because I think without free speech, we're dead anyways. Yeah. But have we as a society without restraints, I'm not talking about outside forces, have we as a society just gone too far? I mean, I was telling Danielle today You've got cats out there who believe in, like, Jade Helm Army's going to start putting people in death camps during Obama and putting chips in our head. But then the doctor is like, dude, if you don't eat better, you're going to be dead before you're 50. Fuck you. Fuck you. Then I'm going to go to Golden Corral and shove 50 cheeseburgers up my ass. Yeah. Like, have we rebelled to the point where we've cut our own throats? You know, I think there is some hope out there. Sorry for going off on a tangent, by the way. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I get passionate I, I about politics. For as much... Because I remember my rebellion, my parents were hippies. So they were pacifists and they were vegetarians. So what did I do? I went like out for wrestling. wearing long-haired hippies with beads. They and- were vegetarian hippies, you know, good old hippies. And, um, you know, my Quakers, like a whole nine yards. And uh, so my rebellion was to eat meat. Because they didn't give a shit that I got tattoos. They did not care that I had piercings. Like, that did not matter that I got my first tattoo. You should have uh, put a suit 15. on and went to Wall Street. That would have oh, pissed God, them off. Oh, God, right? That would have really pissed them off. But no, so my, my rebellion was okay, you're pacifist. I'm going to join the wrestling team. What? I can't eat meat. I'm going to get a job at Wendy's. Tell me you know, go to college and like, become a hedge fund manager. Right. Why did I go down that route? <laughs> but I'm so glad I didn't, you know. Um, but I have, you know, it, it's funny because I, I was actually on, um, on Facebook with a friend of mine um, because I'm going this weekend to the Fear Set Horror uh, Film Festival in Biloxi, 
Yes, and, please uh, tell us I, all about that too, because we've. Got I am going to be there. joining up with the whole Troma clan and uh, Lloyd Goffman, who is the guest there. He is uh, going to be premiering "Return to Return to Newcomb High," aka Volume Two. Um, I'll be graciously, hopefully not tripping and falling, uh, walking the red carpet or the dead carpet, the dead carpet. with Lloyd. Yes, the dead carpet. I'm hoping there's bodies. Nice. I'm planning on wearing spiky heels. So um, that is going to be this weekend uh, starting Thursday and going from the 18th through the 20th. So uh, it's going to be a great film festival. I'm planning on bringing lots of copies of To Kill a Mockingbird and autographing them and handing them out for free since they are banned in Mississippi schools. So bring the kids. I'll have lots for them. Are you afraid that millennials, because they are so socially conscious, and there is a big strain of political correctness among millennials, and I think that's waning a little bit, thankfully, um, but I don't want it to go to the point where you're telling eight-year-olds to suck your balls either. I mean, that's too far in the fucking direction. Um, do you do you feel like the horror genre is in jeopardy because you don't think that the you know people who are 20 now are going to have any use for that world? No, and and this is this is kind of where I was going with that because um, I was I was chatting with a friend of mine and she's she's younger than me um, and she just had a little boy and I want to say her son is oh god I'm such a bad person um, I, somewhere between like six months and a year <laughs> god I'm a bad person and her son's name uh, quick 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 uh, what's her son's well, name. Wolf. Ah, well, you're not that bad person. Courtney's son is, her name is Wolfie, or his name is Wolfie. And uh, she was bummed out because all she wanted to do is she wanted to go down to this film festival and get her son's picture taken with Lloyd Kaufman. Um, Because trauma had been such an important factor in her life. And, And I mean, and I believe Courtney's probably about five, six years younger than me. And here she has this little son that she's passing this on to a whole nother generation. And this is a lot younger. I mean, this is 40 years younger than me. So, But that shows you Lloyd Kaufman knows what he's doing, right? Because that's a legacy. Like, you could do something for one generation and fade away. Almost anybody can do that. But when you're three generations in, like Lloyd Kaufman is, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm 47, and I was watching. When when I used to play on stage, I used to wear a Tromeo and Juliet shirt. And that Mm -hmm. was back in, like, the late 90s. So we've yep. got to be almost three generations in, and this guy is still kicking trauma, ass. So. Trauma was started back in the 70s, and actually Lloyd Kaufman himself has been in, like, I, I had to look it up. It was, like, 348 movies. He's made appearances in 348 movies. He's started so many careers. It's insane. Like, you were talking about Tromeo and Juliet. James Gunn was the one who directed that. Yep. And let me tell you, dude, like, that's something I always wanted to do. I Like, I never wanted to be an actor. I was like, dude, if I ever went into 
you know, the entertainment world on that level, I would just want to be the guy that just showed up like Bruce Campbell in weird play. And I know Bruce Campbell mm-hmm. doesn't have a lot of main features, but I love how he shows up in like all of the Sam, um, is it Rami movies like Spider-Man? Oh, Sam no, Raimi. Yeah. Sam, yeah, Sam Raimi. Like we'll put Raimi. him in like yeah. Spider-Man as like the doorman at the theater yeah. and shit. And I was like, dude, I just want to show up in all these weird movies like True Sharknado. Detective. He was in the, or no, Fargo. I'm sorry. He was in Fargo, the TV series. Mm-hmm. He was in the first season of Fargo, and he played Ronald Reagan. Yep, yep. And he was just in Lodge 49. He lasted two episodes and yep. died. And I was like, yep. that's the kind of fucking career I want. I just want right. to show up, do something small, and disappear. Because those cats, when I watch movies, the guys who are just kind of, um, uh, what is it? Oh, God. I, th- I think it's like John C. Riley, the, mo- the guy that was in the movie The Brothers with Will Ferrell. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Step Brothers. He- yeah, he was in like 50,000 movies before that, and no one ever knew his name. And I was like, yeah. man, what is – or Steven Root. That's another person. Steven mm-hmm. Root's in everything. But if I went on the average guy on the street and it's like Steven Root, they'd have no idea who that was. Well, yeah, yep. Sanderson's the same way. He yep. calls himself a journeyman actor. He's just – and he's got some really great parts on some really amazing shows. Dukes of Hazard, Married with Children. Like yeah. he's been on mm-hmm. everything. Yep. But – like, and I was always like, that's what I want to do. I don't want to be a superstar. I just want to show up in weird places like Lloyd oh, Cox. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Like, seriously, I say that there should be a game called Where's Where's Lloyd instead of Where's Waldo because he does. He just. Make it a drinking up. game. Like he, you will get fucked up. Yeah. He was in Rocky. Like, so many people don't know that, but he was in freaking Rocky. And that's people awesome. are like, what? <laughs> like I shit you not, he was. Was he a slab of beef hanging upside yeah, down? The yeah, right. Yeah, that'd Big be perfect. Lloyd. Yeah, no, he was a random drunk. It was great. <laughs> I had to go back and watch it. I was like, no, it was the same thing with Guardians of the Galaxy. I had no idea he was in that either. And then I found out that James Gunn had put him in there in like the prison riot scene. And I had to go back and watch it. I'm like, son of a bitch, there he is. And he is. and Lloyd's <laughs> almost got a Mel Brooks type quality about him too. He does. He and that's really another does. thing I love about the guy. And it's like, like I said, that to me, it's awesome. It's more interesting to see the guy who's just on the periphery. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. BJ Novak used to direct and produce a lot of those episodes of The Office, but he was very rarely the focal point of that show. And sometimes mm-hmm. he'd go three, four episodes without even being in it or just being in to have one or two lines. And I was like, man, dude, that takes a lot of fucking integrity to, to yeah. have the power to put yourself in every episode to, to be able to upstage everybody and go, nah, I'm just going to fucking hang back and have a funny line here or a stupid line there. And I'm going to show up with a goatee one week and a weird hat the next week. And that like I've always dug people. That's humility too. Yep, yep. That's a lot of humility too. You know, so like William Saunderson, I freaking love him. Oh yeah, he's amazing. He's like one of the Blade Runner. I'm sorry, Blade Runner. I don't care. Of every horror movie, I don't care. Blade Runner is by far probably my favorite movie. Dude, we just went to his house like, in August, and him and his uh, wife had, like, a deli plate ready for us, yeah, and we there's... sat on, like, the little back terrace and ate um, lunch with them, and then they took us out to dinner, and we shot, like, maybe three or four different interviews, so yes. we could, because yeah, I managed, 
they are his, both um, Facebook the page, sweetest, his social most media. wonderful people. Like, I, I almost, <laughs> if I was a little, little less shy, I would have been like, "Will you be my dad?" <laughs> right, dude, we're filming stuff, and he's like, "I was like, all right, let's sit down and do this in front of his Blade Runner." Speaking of Blade Runner poster, and I'm like, "You cool?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm a little nervous." I was like, "You're nervous to, right. to right. film an interview with me? What? <laughs> like, you're a fucking legend. You've got over a hundred credits on your IMDb, uh-huh. and, and you are moving into the like the pop culture fabric." And uh-huh. you're like nervous, like to sit down, but he's so humble. I mean, he lives in Harris, Pennsylvania, for God's sakes. When yeah. he could be learn- living in Hollywood. Yeah, and he has and a house, like a, like a normal house. Yeah. And- it's not, not like he's a another person. I'd be totally house. be like, hi. Like, yeah. We're like, do awesome. your neighbors know who you are? And they're like, yeah, mm-hmm. but, you know, most of them don't care. We're just. I just defy like, you to find a nicer, more humble guy than William. Yeah. He is fucking. Him and Sharon are awesome. Yeah, that's so cool. I'm so excited for the Deadwood movie. I know. Oh yeah, he leaves um this week. I think he's leaving Sunday for that. Yes, I can't wait. So excited Ah. for that. I cannot wait to see that. Well, you know, he's also going to be in the next season of American Gods. Oh, is he? Yes. Yep, the old game man. Yeah, like I'm super excited for that because i yeah the first oh i actually God. just rewatched the first season yeah i've seen most of it twice i love that so much well uh, is- ian mcshane you know because he's worked with him a few times now i mm-hmm. guess there was a part and ian was like hey what have my buddy william do this and so they had william do it and they he flew up to canada and it was great and i'm sorry this is totally oh, wow <laughs> And of course, the people who follow American Gods are such fervent Neil Gaiman fans. I we because we had him on the podcast right when he got back, and I was like, "Can you tell us anything about what you did on American Gods?" And he's like, "Dude, like the fans are so loyal and fervent, and they know everything about the show. If I say anything, they'll know who I am and where the story's going." Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So he really had to keep it. He's gonna play. Like I totally. I'm totally sure I know who he's going to play because I've read the book. So I'm like, okay, I know exactly where they're going. I recognize from the sneak preview little bitty trailers. I'm like, I know what scene that is. I'm so glad they're doing it. And that means William is probably going to be this character. And then they're going this way. (laughs) And I just hope they're not going a certain way with it because one of the characters in the book dies. And I don't want that Mm -hmm. to happen. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm just like no see yeah, and this is kind of how I want my podcast to go see I want see? people to have conversations go. yes it's about the horror genre yes it's people that have been in horror movies or have something to do within the horror genre but they're people you know they're mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. people and we all have lives and but we people all forget have that conversations. though they right yeah. I think I mean, and I think and, it's important that we do do that. We do have conversations with each other because we are real people, you know. So it's time to sit down and, yeah, we can talk about horror. Yes. We can totally talk about horror all day, all night But doesn't long. it piss but you off as soon some, as... Let's have some real conversations, too. As soon as some... And that's well said. As soon as somebody in the industry comes out and has any kind of political statement, anything they're passionate yeah. about, it could be animal rights. Shut, shut up, Liptard! Shut up and just act! Mm-hmm. But, and, it, and 
I put something the other day, and I'm like, Trump supporters, Taylor Swift, shut your lip toward mouth, just sing. <laughs> and then it's like, also Trump supporters. Did you see Kanye dropping those F-bombs in a White House? That shit was awesome. Like, it, they, they jump through these fucking hoops where they have no integrity. Like, you could say something on Monday, but you, like on Tuesday, it's like, I hate Paul Ryan on Monday. I love Paul Ryan on Tuesday. I don't believe Paul Ryan exists on Wednesday. That's why it's made it impossible for me. And I'm a guy who started out in the political and activism world. That's how I got into all this. And it got so bad with not being able to like talk to anybody from the other side without them screaming fake news, deep state conspiracy, rigged election, that I knew enough people in the industry to kind of go in the direction I'm in now. But I'm sad mm-hmm. that you can't talk to the other side anymore. It's it's scary. I mean, I mean, I I don't consider myself much of much. I'm just me. But I even feel at times I'm like, okay, do, can I? Damn, do I feel comfortable really speaking out about this? How much shit am I gonna end up hearing? But you know what? Like the people that I have respected the most who have just said, I don't care about... And I did it for years, man. But it became useless to talk. And I'll talk to these dudes and they'll be like these alt-right bros and they'll be like, civil war! And I'm like, listen, dude, my brother has never voted. He has no idea, like, the three branches of government or who, like, um, you know, McConnell is or any of that shit. Who kills him? The liberal or the conservative? Who kills the fucking Amish? I was saying this the other day when we had George on. Who kills the Amish? Like, if there's a civil war. Like, it's so dumb. They're always running around with their guns and screaming civil war. But there's no north versus south or red coats versus blue coats. Like, there's no defined lines. It would just be chaos. It'd be people just settling grudges like the Equalizer or Escape from New York or some shit. And for me, it's like, I look up to people like like John Waters. John like, is great, yes. I love John Waters. So much. And like it's and it's the same thing like with Lloyd. I swear to God, I feel like I've got my head up Lloyd's ass during this whole conversation. But like That's Lloyd's a good ass not, to have your head up though. I, yeah, <laughs> nice ass. Um but like he's not afraid to talk about politics about to go there and in his movies to go there and those people that are willing to do that um you know one of the craziest things craziest experiences i ever had and i never thought it would happen was when i moved to louisiana and um i i found out that they and were this was from police. minnesota you moved no, to from chicago from chicago and uh, when I moved here and I found out that they were playing Blazing Saddles in a movie theater. Nice. And like a midnight movie? That, no, it was not a midnight movie. That was shown at 8 o'clock at night. Wow, that must have been at, a pretty progressive theater. Like, it, was, yeah, a, it, was, a good movie. it was a movie tavern. You could go nice. get dinner and watch the movie. Yes, I, I love those places. That is something I never, never, with all the politically correctness and everything, I was like, there is never a chance that I would see that. Mel Brooks, you know, people would look at a movie like that and be like, it's so racist. You know, it's like, there's, how can it be shown? And I'm like, 
do you know who gets put down the worst in that? The Irish. The Irish end up getting the worst in it. And there's if the, you people forget there was a time this country hated the fucking Irish. Oh, I'm Irish. Yeah, I know. When they started coming over here in the boatloads after the Great Potato Fathom, like, mm-hmm. and and they were like just flooding the shores, and I mean, but, yeah. it, but it's always something, right? It's always like, and I always say, because I'm Greek, my family's from Noxus, and I always say, oh, yeah. dude, and I saw like um, some article come up about some woman that was cussing out this Greek guy, and I would tell my Greek friends and relatives, I was like, dude, we are like one John Stamos fuck up away. From being the next mm-hmm. attack group in this country. If John yep. St- if Stamos gets caught smoking meth with a hooker, all of a sudden it's be like, those Greeks got to fucking go. <laughs> That's just, yeah. just the way this country I, is I, wired, I don't know. Dude. I think John Stamos could probably get caught, you know, smoking meth with a hooker and it would still probably be okay. I mean, you everybody know, loves I mean, John Stamos. Like, everybody. It's like, oh, look at him eat yogurt. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know... Hey, you want to jump in here? Yeah, so, you know, I wanted to bring it back to horror because that, you know, I, I'm one of those people that um, the f- some of the first books I read, we're talking like second and third grade, some of the first books mm-hmm. I checked out from the library were Stephen King and Anne Rice. Like, oh, that's yeah. where my good shit came from. <laughs> so, and I always loved it because, and I always seek out the most terrifying shit that I can find because I always say just like Stephen King does that the scariest stuff is in my own head so Mm -hmm. it's kind of become a challenge for me to find a movie that can really frighten me I mean and there have been a couple like I saw um, I think it was Poltergeist 3 when I was like 10 so I still Mm -hmm. to this day cannot be in a dark room facing a mirror I just can't do it um, and so, therefore, Mirrors with Kiefer Sutherland kind of got to me a little bit a few years ago. That was messed up. That that was creepy. Yeah, was that creeped the hell out and of me. Especially mm-hmm. if you're me and you've seen Poltergeist 3 when you were, like, 10, yep. then it worked. Um, but, and I know you grew up with, like, Evil Dead and stuff like that. So one of my earliest, very earliest horror films that I still to this day will always love more than anything else was Day of the Triffids and it came on this two, <laughs> it was a two movie set on VHS because I'm that old yeah um with um Night of the Living Dead do you remember Day of the Triffids that was the yes, I best do. movie ever yeah and so <laughs> and nobody will ever get it but somewhere in the back of my brain I say it's okay I totally know what to do if the plants rise up and try to kill us. We'll just spray them with salt water. It'll be fine. <laughs> it's like, but I was just, the kid just go that, to the store and get some saline solution. Exactly. I'll be okay. Like I was totally the kid that would sit there eating a bowl of chili while there was a, a dissection of a pig going on on TV Ugh. because mm-hmm. I could handle it. Because when I was, I, I don't know, I was probably like four, maybe five and we watched Day of the Triffids and um, Night of the Living Dead. And, you know, you've got them eating, like, the liver and stuff. And my mom's like, mm-hmm. oh, look, they're eating Jello. 
So for yeah. me, in my brain, it was explained. Yeah, I yeah. thought, oh well, this is totally, you know, this is not like a thing. Like, Meanwhile, when we were the second frogs in the tenth grade, I hung up signs that said "Free Sherman," and I refused <laughs> to dissect my frog and started a campaign to free the frogs. <laughs> and that's funny, is that for all the horror I was allowed to watch and everything, I didn't have to do any dissection in school because. Um, their parents were hippies, and they were like, "No, shouldn't have to do that." I was right. like, "I'm not doing that. That's 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 nasty because that's real. Yeah, the whole thing coming so and circular. Exactly, that is that's real life. That is not fake. Like that's exactly. why. I, I mean, I started doing special effects. You know, because um, it's fake. I people would come into my house. Like, um, when I lived in Minneapolis, I used to do zombie pub crawl. Nice. Or, I mean, if I was working on a zombie movie, I mean, zombie pub crawl up there, they have like 15,000 people oh dressed up like zombies. Yeah, because you know downtown. it's fake, it's so it doesn't bother you. Like, yeah, yeah same. so you come in my house and you have gallons of blood and mason jars of blood in my fridge or bathroom or wherever I could store all of them because I had so many people coming through that I'd be doing makeup on. It would be nuts and some random person would come in and they'd open up my fridge and just be like holy shit that's crazy. But that's kind (laughs) of brilliant. That's kind of a brilliant coping mechanism too, right? That's like um, oh god, Bill Murray and What About Bob where he's like Mm -hmm. I fake having cancer because if I fake it then I don't really have it. Yeah. And he thinks yeah. it's going to, like, keep cancer away and, like, glaucoma, like, anything mm-hmm. he's afraid of. Like, well, if I fake having glaucoma, then I don't really have it. So that's kind of, like, really a great, like, coping mechanism yeah, when you think, think about it. Yeah, I think that's probably mm-hmm. for me. To the horrors around us, to bring it back exactly. to the title of this show. That's mm-hmm. probably, for me, a lot of why, like, I love going to haunted houses and, you mm-hmm. know, Trail of Terror and stuff like that. Because at least I'll get a oh, little yeah. bit of the jump scare for a second. But really, I think somewhere in the back of my head, because when I was really little, I ate the shit up, like, it it just doesn't, like, it doesn't frighten me at all. I'm just, like, intrigued. Like, with Haunting, um, or Haunting of Hill House, like, I am, I'm every night, I'm like, you want to watch some more? Yeah, you can't scare her, dude. I can't watch The Exorcist. She would sit there and eat popcorn and laugh. One of my favorites. Yeah, I know. I I was a lot uh, like you, you know, reading it, reading stuff, like, I mean, still to this day, one of my favorite, one of my favorite books is, you know, Dorian Gray. Oh, I, I love Dorian Gray. Love that story. You think that guy love takes a lot of it. selfies? <laughs> right. <laughs> if that took place today, that guy would take so many selfies. Right. He'd be on Snapchat. Oh so <laughs> my! But he wouldn't follow anybody. That would be it. Yeah, he couldn't. Speaking <laughs> yeah. of um, Halloween, here's the obvious question. What do you actually do in Halloween night? I know you don't have any cons or festivals going on, right? Oh, my God. I actually, you know, it's funny. Um, as of, okay, so as of right but now. But your fundraiser is ending the 31st, yes, right? I have, I am. I am fundraising right now for No Hungry Kid, or No Kid Hungry. I am so sorry about that. No Kid Hungry. If you go to my personal page, um, or Heather Markham, um, you can find my fundraising that I'm doing. I'm trying to raise $3,100 by the 31st. 
Um, or as much as I possibly can, it's to help bring food programs back into schools uh, because there have been so many budget cuts which are absolutely ridiculous. Um, there are Sad so many children going word. hungry. Aesthetic. There's so right. many children going hungry every day, and children should not have to worry when they are at school mm-hmm. where their next meal is coming from. They should have to worry yep. about, hey, um, am I going to be able to kiss that girl? Or, you know, we hey, am I going to have to have kids at the high school here test? that live under a you know? bridge. Yeah, they we used do. to work yeah. at the school. It's insane. And it's, it's, it's kind of crazy because a lot of this stuff, and I'm so glad that you're helping something that really, like, makes a difference. And so many of these programs, I, I always want to encourage people to talk to their local government, talk to their state government, mm-hmm. because um, fortunately for us, the way that Tennessee does it now is that our county, the entire county qualifies for every child that goes to school to have a lunch and breakfast at no cost because the legislature has changed and we the nonprofit that I work for has been able to change the legislature as well to help those with um, mental illness and it's been able to expand that so it's just kind of one of those things of hey it's almost time to vote get out there and vote yeah vote 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 I'm I'm pushing that big Mm -hmm. time right now and I mean that's one thing with no kid hungry like I mean if you can't go on my page that's fine. You know, if, if you can't afford it, that's fine. Share it. You know, are you someone on, that's pretty open their with your personal page? Cause I noticed mm-hmm. you gave your name out and it was like, hit me up there. Are you someone who's pretty open to letting people <laughs> right. into your you personal world? Um, I am a lot. Um, they're just got, <laughs> I have tried so hard for so long to direct people. Just, just go to mom and creepy. Just go to Mama Creepy. Just go to Mama Creepy. Nice. And uh, everybody's just kind of flooded my personal one. And I still try to direct people, and I still will continue trying to direct people over to Mama Creepy. But um, I still welcome people everywhere. But um, that's just kind of how I am. But as far as No Kid Hungry goes, um, I just want to finish pushing this home, you know, um, cause this is something that's so important, you know, um, that these kids need to be kids. Kids need to not worry about getting shot, going to school. Kids not, do not need to worry about being hungry at school or being, you know, worried about not having eaten that day or anything like that. Kids need to worry about being kids. Yep. That's it. I cannot agree more. There's too many, way too many things that kids are are, are worrying about every day, especially those who don't have or those who come from a home that maybe has some trauma or other issues going on. Mm -hmm. So they they should just have to worry about being a kid. Like we could do a whole show just on that. Like really, especially since I see that every day. And that's why I love this program so much, and that's why I love this charity, because not only do they go into the schools and they do these programs, but they also partner up with different restaurants, and they have these restaurant nights, um, and it's some strange restaurants, and you can find out um, more on the website, but I know, like, um, like Jack in the Box, 
you can go to a jack-in-the-box and tell them that um, you're eating and you're, you know, supporting part of that. I don't want to give out all the details to that because I don't know all the details to that, so I don't want to misspeak. So going to the um, nokidhungry.org is the best place to go to get all that information. But they have lots of ways you can help. You can volunteer by doing a fundraiser like I'm doing, you know, just doing anything you can to get out and help. And, you know, like we just said, get out and vote. Like right now, this. Yeah, if you don't want old white pricks making your fucking decisions for you about your body and your education and all that. Yeah, we say, you know, almost every election, everybody's like, this is the most important election. I shit you not. This is the most important Mm -hmm. election of my life. Like, I will Honestly, if. If we don't have a blue wave, then I don't think any other election after this is even going to matter. Well, and really the thing that I think is really important to remember is I know it's so, so hard to feel like your voice matters. Well, Mm -hmm. guess what? Absolutely. If you don't do it now, it won't. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely. And and the thing and I that have... I think a lot of people don't understand is that guess what? Your job has to legally, federal law, give you time off to but go. But that's not even vote. the problem, though. Historically, young people don't vote. Steve Kornacki, mm-hmm. I think it was Steve Kornacki, just went out to. It was right outside of UCLA or Berkeley, and he's like, "Hey, how many of you guys?" And he's probably in his mid thirties, talking to you know people who are nineteen, twenty, twenty-one. He's like, "How many of you are voting?" And he's talking to like 30 kids sitting in a bus stop and not one person raised their fucking hand. With everything that's on the line, millennials are still like, now nah, just I'm just playing Fortnite, dude. Leave me alone. I'm going to smoke some pot and play Fortnite. How do you break yeah, that barrier? Well, you I know, mean, you just tell them. One of the happiest like, things. Oh, go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say our 18-year-old, she just turned 18 in February. She's like, I'm so excited. I've registered to vote. I'm going to vote. And I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. You, yeah, you but she's care? a lot more active she and aware is. than most kids her age, she's I would kid. say. She's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Two of the happiest and saddest things that um, I've been able to be there for is um, two, my two oldest daughters, um, their, their first election that they were, because just where their birthdays fall and stuff, um, the first election they were able to vote in um, was this last election for, for presidency. And I was, it was exciting because it was like, there's a possibility of a woman being president. But at the same time, it was just like, this is just a horrible time for them to have to go out and vote. And honestly, when it comes down to voting, especially just, Primarily presidential elections. I think the electoral college is a piece of shit that should be removed and shouldn't. Same. It should not be allowed. Like, it should be taken out completely. I disagree with the electoral college completely. Yeah, but the Constitution is the Bible to some people, especially that libertarian branch and Tea Party. And those guys aren't never going to let that happen. It's so sad. And, um, but. I remember when um, I lived in Minneapolis and they were, we were voting in um, 
what was it? We were voting in Obama, and we were voting in vote, the voter registration cards, and we were voting in the uh, gay marriage, to legalize gay marriage. And so many young people turned out to vote. It was amazing. It, like, Minneapolis actually has such a progressive um, turnout when it comes to their younger voters. It's really amazing. I mean, um, they when they voted in Al Franken, which, I mean, I don't care. People can say whatever they want about the scandal concerning Al Franken. He's one of the nicest men I've ever met. And whatever happened, he stepped down graciously and was just like, okay, well, I'm not going to let this disdain my entire, you know. Um, you know sometimes I think the left the has too much integrity and that's their problem. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And also, we're on a horror podcast, and I know people <laughs> no. in in the horror world, and not that politics aren't horror, but I know people I know. in the horror world, and there's a lot of, like, what, from what I've heard, and you can tell me from the inside, because I'm looking at the periphery of it, mm-hmm. there's a lot of misogyny in horror. So aren't a lot oh, yeah. of, like, people in in horror probably Trump voters? So, like, mm-hmm. who who is this? who is this directed to? Are you reading the room, like... Aren't a lot of people listening to this probably heard my first opinion? It was like, fuck this and turned it off. Yep. Yeah. And you know, I, cares. and, and, and that's fine. Um, that's, that's what freedom of speech is, you know, and, um, that's, Not to a fascist. It, it's kind of, it's kind of funny because, you know, I mean, that's like the movies, one of the movies that I'm working on right now. Um, well, it originally started out as a short called No Zone. Um, yes, let's talk about I'm, No Zone. Yeah, it started out as a short called No Zone. Um, I was working on a project with um, Kevin Walters, and um, it just it didn't work out. Um, I'm super excited for Kevin's movie, um, Rat Tower, um, but my short's just not going to be in it. And I've decided to turn it into a feature length and just kind of extend the concept and um, a lot of it's going to deal with um, global warming and how it's um, just a joke because it's not real. It's fake news and um, how in the end uh, we have no ozone and only the 1% can afford um, to live afford a sunscreen called Nozone, you know, and it's the only thing that will keep them from burning to death outside. Mm. So, um, you know, it's just, there's going to be a lot more to it. But let me uh, tell you a dirty little secret. And I was telling Danielle this today. I, I knew a guy and sometimes I see his stuff come across different threads who is very right wing, but he works mm -hmm. selling solar. And he's like, hey, look, um, the Republicans are going to have to get on board with climate change. 
Because they're like, and he blamed it on the left, of course. They're like, liberals have have fucking politicized climate change, so Republicans have to say it's fake news and it's a Chinese conspiracy, blah, blah, blah. But he's like, so when I sell solar, I go, yeah, yeah, climate change is fake, but I'm doing this for pollution and for, um, you know, conservation, energy conservation, blah, blah, blah. So he probably just says it'll save you money. Everybody right, they'll that. save you money. You're looking at the oh, that yeah. incentive. You're looking at pollution because nobody's saying pollution is a liberal conspiracy. But the point mm-hmm. is, is you take something like climate change, that's science, and you politicize it. And the left isn't the one who politicized it. They were just releasing fucking data. It was the right that politicized it because they're in the fucking pocket of big oil and big coal. And you take these guys who politicize this stuff and it may, just makes me wonder, like, how many people are like this dude who, who tell his clients, yeah, climate change is bullshit. You got to get solar because it'll save you money and because of energy conservation. How many of these people who are saying climate change is fake actually know it's not fake, but they're just towing the Republican line? Yep. And didn't the U.N. just come out with a report about um, that things are just going to get drastically reported crying when years, I told her about it today. 20 years. I said by 2040, like what was yeah. our worst case scenario 10 years ago is now our best case scenario. And this is the UN releasing this information. Yep. Yeah, but don't get me news. started. I, I mean, it, it's that to me is a. That I, I just turned on a bunch of Trump dudes. They're like, oh, D was crying, care. liberal tears. Yeah, I, I'm I like, Gollum. I live off liberal tears. Yeah, that to me is a true <laughs> horror story. You want to frighten me? Yeah. Tell me we're all going to die and there's nothing I can fucking do about it. Yep, 20 years. Right. I, I guess I always said I wanted to, you know, die young and leave a good-looking corpse. But, you know, I, I, I thought it would be a little too. bit, maybe more than 20 years. Yeah, you but just thought it was a I know, bumper sticker. I know it's, it's not going to be a good-looking corpse. You know, in 20 years, after everything yeah. that's going to happen to our climate, it's it's not going to be a good-looking corpse, that's and for, for sure. And for us, shit, we've no got matter how much water know, I dude, drink. Pharaohs, 20 Pharaohs years, we'll aside, have kids, we're fucked. Pharaohs yeah. aside, death is a great fucking equalizer, right? And I oh, just absolutely. wonder, as he, as he, like, as a tidal wave is crashing down on some dude on the East Coast, is he like, fake news? Is he being <laughs> fucking washed out to sea? Like, these guys, and I see these dudes go on these threads, and they're just like, I don't care if I lose my health care as long as I can drink some liberal tears. It's like, all right, dude, but I've got like, health really? Okay, that's fine. Sign away your health care. Tell you what, how about you give your health care to somebody else while you suck on some liberal tears? Here, tell you what, I'll give you some of my liberal tears. Well, you give your health care to somebody else. I'm fine. I'll donate liberal tears. I will sit in a corner and just, I'll cut onions all day. I will cut right. onions all day. You can have all my liberal tears. Well, but here's and, the thing, though. And I said you know, this more in this whole Nike when people were like, I'm burning my Nikes. Oh, I said, listen, Christ. dude. And then people were posting these things that were like, instead of burning your Nikes, give them to some homeless vets. And I said, no, you don't understand the mind of a fucking fascist. If you give mm-hmm. it to a homeless vet and the vet wears Nikes, he has now become a deep state leftist, Marxist, socialist, pussy mm-hmm. snowflake, liberal t- traitor. I, you have to burn the scary thought idea. You have to burn the offensive thought idea. And to me, these dudes burning Nikes is no different than the fucking Catholic Church and the Nazis burning books. 
Like, it's no yep. fucking different to me. Like, you're burning something. You're not burning just your shoes that you spent 100 bucks on. And I haven't worn Nike since I was a teenager. I don't give a fuck about Nike. But, yeah. like, when you're burning these Nikes, you're making a statement. I'm burning the dangerous thought idea. And how mm-hmm. is that different than burning books? And it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so fuck this. Not. All right, we got to get out of here. Tell us all about the Mama Creepy Halloween special. Okay. Appearing yeah, on um, who's broadcasting yeah, it? I, yeah, I've got a. Uh, oh, I've got one other film festival. I'm gonna just drop this real quick. Yeah, uh, tell us everything. Other, yeah, I'll drop this fast. Uh, Trauma Spiderlings, which is how I got uh, into meeting uh, with everybody in uh, with Trauma, with uh, the Kapaskis, Kapsaskis. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I always destroy their names. I love them all. Uh, Rail and Salem and Gabriella. Gabriella is going to be one of my first guests on my Halloween show. She's going to be my first woman on my Halloween show. And I'm so excited because she is just amazing. You realize the first guest being a woman is victimizing Trump supporters, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Shut the hell up. Um, Anyway, so um, (laughs) I'm very excited (laughs) to have her. Uh, She is just outstanding and amazing, and I look up to her so much. And um, you should shoot Nick because she's Greek. And uh, I like her already. And I like her that she's victimizing Herschel, Trump supporters. Her, her father, Herschel, was a huge, just an amazing director. I had an amazing life. Like, um, yeah. And I, also a character it, on The Walking Dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And at no, the end of the day, for way. me, okay. it's all about legacy, right? And I like what they said. Actually, on the show you were just talking about, and I kind of hinted to in the intro, on The Haunting of Hill House. And this woman had said something, and one of the main characters was like, when you die, you become a story. And every time somebody retells your story, it brings you back to life. And I was like, you know, that's a really profound way to describe it. That is. I like that. Yeah, and that gives me a little bit of comfort as I go into the great beyond, pushing 50. And I was like, you know, I've always been a guy who's, work his life from his deathbed backwards. Like, when I'm fucking dying, am I going to be like, I wish I had a bigger TV, or I wish I had a nicer car? (laughs) Fuck no, dude. You're going to be like, I wish I took that trip to Paris. I wish I wrote the great American novel. Like, you're not going to give I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl. If I did, I would call her. Yeah, I wouldn't (laughs) hang out with that dude. (laughs) But, you know, once again, unless you're a fucking pharaoh who's taking it with you, like, you don't give a fuck. You're not going to be on your deathbed. Like, th- all these dudes that are flipping out about gay marriage and are like, if you have same-sex marriage, people will be fucking goats next week. Like, they're all going to be fucking farm animals. Like, nobody's going to give a shit about same-sex marriage when they're on their deathbed. Like, that's just yeah. not something that's going to be a thought in your head. So I always work shit backwards for my deathbed. And I'm always I, uh, like, I really hope that the, fir- the last thing I think about when I die is people fucking goats. Like, I mean, Velcro gloves. You like, have the internet, thought. right? Yeah, right. That, that's, I'm that's sure you could fulfill go that wish. <laughs> it's all going to be like rotting corpses and goat fucking. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, I hope when I die, the last thing I think about is, ooh, what's that? Because that, <laughs> you know, then I'll be like, oh, there's something else. Bam. 
Yes. Yeah. Well, you know what I always say, D. I plan on leaving this world the same way I came into it. Kicking, screaming, and covered in goo. Yeah. <laughs> That's how so I'm fucking going. the acid well, party of your 81st birthday is still on? Gay marriage, um, like, uh, Spiderling is actually an LGBTQ musical horror Woot. movie. It is amazing. I love it. It was actually uh, my favorite movie of last year. I just fell in love with it. Um, everybody that made it is from Manchester over in the UK. And nice. it's, it's, just a, it's just a great movie. And it's going to be showing at the Cinematic Panic Film Festival, Film Festival in Memphis. Um, it's going to be showing on Friday the 26th at the Black Lodge from 11 till 1 and um, p.m. 11 p.m. Nice. Um, and I'm going to be there. Nice. I will be there in full Mama Creepy Force because nice. I'm not going to miss it. Okay, so we've talked on the phone and you mentioned the UK and one thing you had told me was like, hey, look, dude, I've had offers, friends, people in the industry to bring me out in the UK and I was like, fuck that, dude. I'm staying here and fighting. So I just wanted to let you yep. know that's something I actually respect about you you have a hell of a lot of integrity for doing that man. no that that is something um you know i had i had planned on moving out the uh, out to manchester next year um mm. i had said i wasn't getting to get any cats somehow i ended up with a damn cat um i was like no attachments no nothing i don't care next year i'm going to manchester this is this is my focus i can be really centralized um, just with where I'm at um, in my career, with where I'm focused, Manchester is a great place for me. And I would love it. I, I very much love being there. And I wouldn't have to deal with the bullshit that is going on here. I really wanted to escape from the shit that is going on here because I've just had it so much. But... Uh, after these hearings um yep and when it was basically said that it's okay to rape a woman but that's something they that like those trump dudes will never get right they're like if you don't like it get out love it or love yeah. it get out and, and they don't get fine. like you're staying you know because you, you can you're tell a me fucking that. patriot you can tell me that all you want all day long somebody can sit there and scream in my face all day long if you don't like it then you can get the fuck out well, I'll tell you what, tough shit. I'm not going anywhere. You know what? I'm going to stand by my millions of sisters and I am going to fight because that is what women have always had to do. Mm-hmm. We've had Amen. to band together yes. to fight. We've had to band together to fight to get a right to vote. We've had to have, there's women, we've had to fight together to have a right to drive, to walk But those public, dudes are fucking bullies alone, though, right? Like, you they know, used to say I that mean, to me, and my comeback would be like, no, I refuse to leave the country. Now what? And yeah. you usually be like, lift hard, and then they just block me. And it's like, no, I refuse to. You have to throw my ass in an internment camp before I stop fighting for women's rights. Yes. And for everybody's rights. For everybody to have their rights. And I see because these pathetic dudes come person. out and they're like, I can't even go on a date now because somebody yeah, might say bullshit. I raped them. I don't them. care. And if you're you know, even thinking like that, that's messed up. Like if I you're even sitting the there thinking day, about that, that's messed and up. And I was like, look, dude, I'm 47 years old. 
I have been in dozens, if not hundreds, of relationships in my life. And I some slut. of those relationships, I am a slut. Thank you. I'm a Greek slut. <laughs> Greeks can't be slut. We're passionate. Don't you know? I get some yeah. olive oil on my body. <laughs> now I'm slut shaming. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to sue you. You're slut shaming. Anyways. <laughs> And I was like, look, I'm 47. I've been in dozens of relationships. I've had relationships that ended amicably, and I'm still friends with you know my exes to this day. And I've had relationships that have ended horribly, and my ex-girlfriends hate me with the fucking intensity of hell. And yet somehow I've never been accused of raping anybody. It's yeah. almost as if you, if you treat women with respect and don't rape and abuse them, you have nothing to worry about. Isn't right. that weird? And dude, like, like I have ex girlfriends. Anybody who's gonna make up a rape story, it would be on me because I have exes that hate me, and yet nobody's ever accused me of raping them. That's How why was... last night when I had that frat kid in my car, and he was just trying to do the right thing and help this drunk ass girl because there are bars down here that have like this is a big university town. There is a whole little area, and their bars like. On Monday night, there's one bar in particular there that has free drinks from 8 to 10. And if you wear a T-shirt, 50 cents shots. Yeah, they're not very smart because if I was what there, do you mean, let me tell you buy what. a T-shirt? They don't give a shit about carding. They don't care. I don't know anybody who either can't just walk in there or who doesn't have a fake ID. And isn't just blatant about it. Like, I've heard people who have pulled out multiple fake oh, IDs. Oh, dude. They're probably pulling their Netflix them. account up on their phone. Like, oh, here's my Netflix yeah. account, dude. Yeah, it's just, it's absolutely insane. And it is absolutely those bars that are responsible. It is those bars that are responsible. And when I see a fret boy who's pre-med trying to take care of this girl but because of the state that we're in you know and he's not sitting there crying oh well you know they're gonna say i tried to rape her you know he never said that that never came out of his mouth he was i just want her to be okay and oh shit man i can't believe she puked all over my hundred dollar pants you know and yeah that sucks I don't but, think I've ever owned a hundred dollar pair of pants. Where does this dude shopping? I don't think so either. I, I don't Holy really like shit. jeans. So <laughs> jean shopping is like hell for me. If I believed in hell and I had to go hey, there, to old do navy jean shopping. If you find you're the right size, they all fit the same. Did I find one? I got We've got to get out of so, here. Tell us okay. about the Halloween special. Right you on this show. network. Mama it's Creepy's be Corner on this network, and I'm so excited and. So my first guest is going to be Lloyd Kaufman. Now who's the that? Lloyd Anybody who's been living under a fucking rock for the last two I billion know. years. I know. I know. So I couldn't think of anybody, uh, you know, better than Lloyd Kaufman to christen the show. Um, Dude, like your show has good karma forever. Yeah. Well, you can't get <laughs> a better know. first. Maybe Bruce Campbell. I sweat big Bruce <laughs> Campbell. Oh, yes. Bruce would be awesome, and, and who knows? Maybe I'll get Bruce on the show on, a, on another show. But right now, I've got I've got Lloyd, and then I've got Gabrielle Kapsaski. 
Yes. She said it right that time, Katsaski, um, who is amazing and strong, and she makes awesome movies, and I love her, so I'm super excited. And then, to top it off, I have the king of Halloween. I've got Mike Mendez, nice. who has done Don't Kill It, Big Ass Spider, Tales of Halloween, Love him. He's done the comment with Adrian Barbeau. Also, uh, oh, Coolio was in that. If if you didn't know, Coolio was in the convent. Damn, nice. I did not know that. Do you get nervous yeah. amping up to something like interviewing Lloyd Kaufman? Because I would get nervous. I mean, I don't get nervous often, but if we have somebody like a Margot Kidder on the show, it will be a little bit nerve wracking for me. I fake it. Yeah, I just, I, you know, I do a lot of research. I do a lot of research behind everybody, anybody that I'm going to talk to. I always do a lot of research. What's my middle name? Um, Dick. (laughs) Nick, Dick, that's That would be horrible. I don't don't know. I'm the one getting interviewed. I don't know. You tell me. (laughs) Oh, I thought you researched any interaction you had. No. You haven't done any research on me? I could be like a major asshole for all you know. I already knew you were a major asshole. I didn't need to do any, like, research (laughs) Yeah, but it's like a bad kind of asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Well, either way, I deal with those all the time. Oh, my God. I'm prepared. No, uh, when I, when I'm dealing with somebody like that, you know, it's just, it's one of those things. Um, I have been really lucky in life to meet some really amazing people and, and to learn that whether they're famous or not, that people are just people. And, um, there are definitely certain people that, um, but you probably have to be kind Make me of amazing a little nervous. to meet amazing people. So don't sell yourself short. Yeah, I had, I had meeting Lemmy was freaking amazing. When I met Lemmy, I just bust shit myself. That Dude, was, we had lips from Andrew on the show, and he yeah. got offered a position to play bass in Motorhead. And we had him on the show. I was like, dude, if Lemmy called me here in the States at three in the morning and said, come mow my fucking lawn, I would drive to the airport and jump on a plane and go over to England and mow his fucking lawn. How do you say no to Lemmy? Yeah. And he's like, no, dude, I'm doing my own thing. Um, I can't be in Motorhead. How insane is that? Yeah. I worked in a couple of nightclubs and got to meet uh, a lot of musicians and, you know, I got lots of douchebags but you know at the same time i was like dude i'm not gonna let you treat me any other any different and i'm not gonna treat you any different because if i sit here and kiss your ass or something i'm just gonna look like some douchebag and i'm not i'm just me and i know that i want to be treated just for who I am. And I think most people just want to be treated for who they really are. Right. So when I interview people or I talk to people, I just talk to them as people. Because that's the one thing we have in common is we're all human beings. No matter what color, what sex, what sexual identity, whatever you want, no matter what, we're all human beings, so we can all have a conversation. 
So it doesn't matter if we're rich or we're poor or famous or not. It doesn't matter. We're all human beings. So, yes, there are people that I get nervous about. And uh, I know, like, even the first time, like, the first time Lloyd Kaufman even, like, uh, what do you do? He retweeted or liked something that I put on Twitter. I was like, oh, my God. They got me like that. Right. I just mocked that myself. You know, but, you know, I've gotten to know Lloyd, and he, he's just a great guy. He's super down to earth, and he's a good person, you know, and and that's the thing is that these people, and we all have those people, mm-hmm. you know. Everybody has those people that they'd be like, holy shit, hi. Like, I'm super nervous. Meeting yeah, I've got Campbell. Bruce Campbell was awesome. Like, I've gotten to meet Bruce Campbell numerous times, and he is just, I know when to meet him and when not to meet him if I go to a convention, because I know what day he's going to be in a good mood. You know, um, John Barrowman. I totally grabbed John Barrowman's ass, and John Barrowman totally grabbed my titties. And I am (laughs) okay with saying that. I actually have a picture of it. And, uh, you know, when I met Matt Smith, I'm, I'm totally a Whovian. I'm a huge Dr. Who dork. And I, I think one of the most nervous times I've ever been around somebody famous was when I met Matt Smith. Um, yeah, he, yeah, I was super nervous around him. But also, when famous doesn't mean the same thing it used to mean, right? I mean, it doesn't mean like what, what it meant when we were kids. Like, famous doesn't mean the same thing it meant when we were kids. No. Because well, everything's just, so accessible now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's still, it was, you know, this is somebody I'm just like, oh, my God, I, I can't believe I'm meeting a doctor. And I was like, I'm making my trifecta where I had met Eric Roberts, who, you know, Eric Roberts actually played a master in the, when they did that shitty, like, one American Doctor Who, I met John Barrowman, and he, well, I consider him a companion, and then I had met Matt Smith, and I sniffed him. Ain't gonna lie about it. He smelled good. <laughs> smelled damn good, you know? <laughs> so, Were you checking out his products? Oh, he smelled good. Yeah, so, but, like, there, there are going to be those people that I'm going to be nervous, but at the same time, I just have to remind myself that no matter what, they are still human beings, just plain and simple. Yeah. We're all just human beings trying to get through this crazy world and, and freaking die at the end, and, hopefully and, not horribly. And a lot of them too, man. Like, And that's one of the things when I started podcasting, and like I said, I came in this in a weird route because I, I was doing political stuff first. But when I started talking to people more in the, you know, the culture, the pop culture, like Nicholas mm-hmm. Brennan from Buffy, that's a great example. Like that's mm-hmm. the most down the fucking earth dude in the world. I was just watching Buffy last night. Yeah. Oh, he's a total sweetheart. <laughs> and like, I, had I don't all care what they've people. said about I him. Love to he's, talk to him. He's awesome. Yeah, I had I all these people from the outside that was like, oh, well, um, you know, Hollywood, they're all stuck up and they're all assholes. Dude, I've interviewed, God, at least three, if not 400 people. And I think the, mm-hmm. what have we've had? Two, maybe three bad experiences? Yeah, two out of or 400? three. You're talking less than 10%. 
Like, really. We're talking yeah. less than 1%. Almost everybody yeah. that we've had the opportunity to speak with that works in Hollywood or has or is close to music anything like that or in the music world Mm -hmm. or whatever people who i mean it doesn't matter how much money somebody makes if they're a good person they're just a good person and that's just the way it is like and i i think that would i mean that matters like when dealing with people like william sanderson and i think that would matter when dealing with anybody else i mean if somebody is a cool human being, they just are. John Lear, who has been working for decades, um, I mm-hmm. mean, he was the first Geico caveman. You know, that's usually what I yep. tell people first. He is one of the most normal, down-to-earth human beings. Like, I know what the treehouse looks like that he spent, like, two years building for Yeah, I'll write him. I'll be like, what are you doing, dude? Oh, me and my son are building a treehouse. Yeah. And I'm like, That's awesome. you're not rolling in Hollywood, like, at parties. But, I mean, he's totally straight, mm-hmm. totally yeah. apparent. I mean, he's older than me. He's in his 50s, 52, 53. And it's like he's the most down-to-earth guy. He's like, Absolutely. yeah, just come out here and yeah. hang out. And that's one of the things people don't get, dude. We had Bonnie Morgan on his show who plays the girl who climbs out of the well. She's yeah. a contortionist mm-hmm. in the ring. And, like, the oh, first awesome. time I talked to her on the phone, you know, because some, sometimes we'll have a guest. They'll be like, call me first. I want to get to know mm-hmm. you and feel, like, what the chemistry is like. And she's like, dude, we're out. Like, she lives in a fucking castle. Like, like the Morgans are all <laughs> It circus. looks like a Barbie castle. She's like, hey, why don't you come out for my Muppet party? And I'm like. If I didn't live a thousand miles away, I would totally love to. And I'm like, dude, I have family. I have family who won't invite me to Thanksgiving. I just met you, and you're inviting me to your fucking castle. Like, how upside down is that? Like, Mm -hmm. actually, the people I meet that are creative in the industry are a thousand times more chill than like half the people I grew up with. So it's just been a weird shift. It's a big family. It's great. Let's wrap this up. Um, Halloween's coming up. The show's coming up. What do you want everybody to know? Halloween. It'll be Halloween at 8 o'clock. Halloween night. Uh, I am probably going to be in New Orleans doing something crazy. Uh, Probably covering the Halloween parade. Doing something. Not quite sure yet. Um, But uh, my first show is officially going to be on November 4th, on Sunday, November 4th, at 8 p.m., which also happens to be my birthday. Hmm. Whoa. I know it was. Do you flip that out way. about birthdays? Do you worry about age, or no. is that not on your radar? No, actually, uh, when I was about to turn forty, like for pretty much the entire time I was thirty-nine, I just kept telling people that I was I was almost forty because I was like, oh god, what if I freak out when I'm forty? And but when I turned forty, I was like, yeah, I don't give a shit. Whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm like, I just keep getting better at age with age. Yeah, I'm not so, ready. Not ready. Thirty-nine. Uh, it, it, not ready. You know, not ready. 30s, they were great. 40s, just keep getting better. So Yeah, I never I, had to have a prostate exam in my 30s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but really, so, that was just because you had a sore throat. So I don't know what the hell. <laughs> no, that's a totally different. You just different... had a good doctor. <laughs> no, I had a doctor stick his finger up my ass because I had a sore throat once. True story. And, and I've been leery of doctors. There, I was like, that doesn't sound right. And he's like, <laughs> it'll be fine. We have to see if there's any blood in your stool. And that was the last time I had to figure out my ass. And then I was like, yeah, that's yeah. so much. In, 
Getting him to go to the doctor now is like... Can you fucking buy me a drink first? My God. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, not awesome. Opposite of awesome. I'm keeping uh, the the guests to be announced um, for my first show. Um, I will leak them, and I will finish announcing them on my Halloween episode. So I am just a dirty little tease like that. But it's going to be really exciting. I'm, I'm very excited about it. Um, I, I can't wait, and I can't wait to welcome everybody to uh, Mama Creepy's Corner. Very nice. All right. I think it's time to get out of here. D, I think we're going to end this episode with one of my favorite artists of all time, Alice Cooper, and some man nice. behind the mask. Good night, nice. guys. Yo, with your baby.